When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to another episode of the Barstoolers Premier League podcast. I'm your host, Connell, and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by my three co-hosts this week, James, Michael and Roland. Michael is back after his unfortunate absence last week, but he's back, raring to go. He's better than ever. On this week's episode of the show, we're going to be reviewing the Premier League action just gone by, previewing the upcoming weekend's action and having a discussion on the best and worst pundits in the game, following up on last week's episode where we talked about the best commentators and, and indeed worst commentators in the game. Now, Michael, you're absent from last week's episode. Um, we're all big fans of Peter Drury. Um, Peter Drury has a lot Sorry. of big fans, not too many hailers, but you you beg to differ on Peter Drury. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but... Peter Jury, he's up there with Derek Ray as the worst commentators in football. There's, I just don't know what it is. I just hate him. I don't listen to any of his commentary anytime it's on. I turn it off. It is probably the most unpopular football in opinion of all time, but I couldn't take his love last week. There has to be one to stand out in the crowd and say, no, he's shocking. It's a really weird stance. Like, Can you can you describe why you don't like him at all? Because people, pe- people just love him. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just his voice. I just think he's really annoying and just really bad. I just don't like him at all. So, so voice and accent are important to you. I think it's it just more more the way he sounds. I don't know. I just think he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Right, well, that's unfortunate. But as I said, at the top of the episode, we're going to be talking about uh, this, or last weekend's Premier League action. And quite frankly, we were talking about this before we started recording. It wasn't the best weekend of of Premier League football. Like, it really wasn't. I was looking through and not not too many interesting things. Really, only two interesting things happened since we recorded the last episode. First of which uh, is Sheffield United sacking or parting by way of mutual consent with Chris Wilder. What are your thoughts on this, lad? Cause, lads? Because I don't get it at all. Like if they had done this 10 games ago, 12 games ago, I would have been like, OK, maybe they can get someone in uh, who'll give them that new manager bounce. They might stand half a chance of staying up. But with 10 games to go, what what is the point in this? Surely he would have been the best man to stay on for next season and get them promoted again. Because you see him there, they lost their first game without him, 5 0 to Lesser. What is the sense in, in sacking someone like Chris Wilder now? I personally think it was a stupid idea or decision to sack him. But I can understand if they have someone that they want to bring in as a long-term solution. So I know some of the names being thrown around were, I think one of them was Eddie Howe or something. Um, 
just using her example, say they were, had a long-term plan now in the future to have Eddie Howe come in and manage the side. I can understand bringing him in now for 10 games so he gets to know which players he actually likes and then once he's in the championship next season, he knows which players he's going to keep and which ones he's going to sell and he can build his team around that. I can understand thing, that, th- but I don't think it was a good decision. So I don't want to interrupt you there, but one thing that has been cleared up is that Dave Hockaday is going to be taking charge at the end of the season. Oh well, that's stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, stupid yeah, 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 yeah. Like he failed. Yeah. If, they, if they'd done that, if they'd done that, I would be like, fine. I would just if they had a long term plan, put someone in for a few games, let them get to know the team. But that's a yeah, that's a baffling decision. I didn't know that. It, it's hard to fall into that trap, you know, that modern football trap. The manager merry go round and be disillusioned with the game. It's a common talking point your opponents have. You're kind of just like, ah, here, cop on, lads. But it really is true in this in this case. Like Chris Wilder had a phenomenal record with them before last season. Just like up through the divisions, like nobody's business. There was clearly the team morale was behind him. Like it's a championship squad, really. You know, and they, they were behind him. And to lose your two key centre backs, like he was unlucky. That'll affect any team, unless you're as Hugh Izzy was saying, like a, a Pep Guardiola with a checkbook to just sign Ruben Diaz for sixty million quid. You're not in that luxury position that Wilder's in. You know. A great manager, great man, understands the Blades. You're never going to get a more Blades man. And again, that is a stupid talking about, oh, he loves the club, he knows the club. But in this sense, like, who else are you going to get that really intimately knows Sheffield United and just would, would die for the club? It's it's a ludicrous decision. But it just comes down to the ownership. It's a, it's a Saudi owner, it's a, it's a prince, and he just doesn't have a clue. And these lads don't have a clue. And uh, they are ruining the game. And, I'm, and you know, Newcastle of Mike Ashley, but one of these clowns could be just as bad. Yeah, I know James said there about uh, maybe it's nonsense, you know, he knows the club. I don't think it is. Like, to an extent, like, would you rather someone who loves the club and is terrible at management or someone who doesn't care about the club and is brilliant? Well, obviously, you're going to want the brilliant manager. But, like, in terms of feeling connected to a club, having someone there that you can really identify with is is invaluable. Like, like that's why I'm very much in the Ollie in camp because he's just a, a legend of the club and he's a lovely guy and unless results really nosedive then I don't want him to get sacked because I've been there with Van Gaal I've been there with Mourinho with miserable miserable bastards who like are just oh, like they depress you and it's okay when things are going well but as soon as results take a turn you've got nothing you've got no silver lining there you've got nothing to feel good about so it's th- it's a huge positive having someone who who truly knows the club, but in my opinion, yeah, it's just so weird that they sat. It was just weird, like if they'd done it in January and it was said before, like it would have made sense. But someone who loves the club as much as he does, boyhood fan, they're gonna get like they're gonna they were gonna get relegated anyways. I don't know what changing their manager at this stage is gonna gonna change. Like they had a slight turn of form, like they beat United, but. Like, what, what do they think is going to happen? They're destined for relegation. At least at Wilder there, they might be able to bounce back, but they don't have the squad. Their defence isn't what it was, but Ramsdale and goals, like, he's dreadful. They thought bringing, Roos, uh, not Rooster, Brewster and Ali Birkin, like, they were going to fire them to, to league glory. Maybe a bit of a stretch, but... I, I'd agree on the... The knowing the club bit in terms of, you know, you want someone in there who who gets the fans and who's going to give everything for the club. But you kind of, 
and I agree on that point, but just kind of looking at the other side, like what maybe a downside of it, you kind of saw that with Frank of him maybe given too much of a chance and being given too much leeway at certain points. I think Frank got lucky last year as well. Like I said before that it's Chelsea got top four last year, but they only did it with 64 points. And I think the previous two years before that fourth place had, or previous three years before that fourth place had been the threshold for top four was something like 75 points. So I think he got lucky again last year, which is that the quality of the league was a little bit lower. And Again, I same with Chelsea again this year. Chelsea are still in the race for top four because they haven't been great. They've been a lot better since Tuchel came in. Um, but even Liverpool have been really poor and they're only five points off fourth place. Um, so again, I think it's just I do agree. Like it's it's you do want someone who's because it, it wasn't even that he was a bad manager. He was passionate about the club. He's a good manager who was also passionate about the club. So it's is a, is a strange decision. Sorry, yeah, Connell, you were saying obviously Ole is great to have around United because he knows the club intimately and that's a plus if he's a good manager. Say with Frank and Chelsea, like their boat helps. But like those clubs can go out for a two children, go out for the best manager at any given time, United and Chelsea. Whereas if the Blades are stuck with a man who knows the club inside out and it happens to be really good at managing, like he's not Chris Hewton at Brighton, he doesn't have like deficiencies like that's you're, you've struck gold there so it's ridiculous to get rid of him it's on so many levels I, I feel like it's it's gonna end up in an inevitable return in like five years he'll, he'll rock up uh, back at Bramble Lane or something like that um, and I suppose this kind of isn't really a, a Premier League matter as such because with the view of next season they will be in the championship but who do you think should or could even take over there I heard Eddie Howe's pretty strongly linked with that job is he is he an upgrade on Chris Wilder I think he's a better manager just straight out but again it's whether he's suited to Sheffield I don't know this whole thing was like someone coming in that's changed the entire style of play which he probably would do because he Sheffield have been playing three at the back for well ever since Wilder came in pretty much and Eddie Howe didn't play that at Bournemouth I think he'd be a good appointment and of the managers that are available that they could realistically go for, I think he'd probably be one of the best. Uh, I don't know who else is really out there at the minute. Um, so I, I would say if they were going to go for anyone, I, that's what I'd be going for. There's one that kind of comes to mind, but he's employed with Middlesbrough, Neil Warnock. Now he managed him before. There's plenty of clips of him going around saying you have to die for three points, but He's uh, the anti-football man and I feel like he'd be a good fit. And maybe a bit of an out there one. Maybe someone like Martin O'Neill. Like, I don't know, might be a bit bit far-fetched, but a bit, bit bad at managing. He might be looking for a bounce-back job to maybe get back in the Premier League, but just just a thought. I think if they're looking to go anywhere as a club, they can't be looking at the O'Neills and the Warnocks. I think they do have to look towards the Howes. And even with the Howes, he had obviously Ramsdale. It'll be the Ramsdale reunion, if you will. Um, aside from that, you're looking at players like Ake and Wilson. Wilson was is, is a very good pedigree, uh, Premier League pedigree striker. Like you look at Newcastle, he would have single-handedly kept them up the season if he had stayed fit. Like they look like they're going on a bad trajectory, which is besides the point. Well, who did they have in that Blade squad? Like Brewster McBurney, that's tragic. Like it's 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 not a good squad at all. And how is how are you gonna make the most of that? 
next season uh, and get them back in the league. Maybe he can, like he's still a good manager, but I think, again, you're not going to replace Wilder with any like for like that's that's any good, really. Just on Warnock there, that'd be absolutely fantastic to see him going back to Sheffield just for the nostalgia factor. Uh, do you think with Warnock is, like James said, if you want to go anywhere, that's not the kind of manager you want to be going for. Neil Warnock, very, very good at getting out of the championship. I think he's been promoted out of the championship to the Premier League more than any other manager. Uh, not very good at keeping teams in the Premier League. He almost always goes straight back down. So uh, as a short-term solution, I could see why Neil Warnock would be a good idea. But if you want to establish yourself as a regular Premier League team, uh, I don't think he's your answer. Yeah, I'm just looking at the next manager odds at the moment, and it's it doesn't really make for pretty reading, to be honest. Michael Appleton from Lincoln, Paul Heckingbottom, who is the caretaker to end the season, Neil Lennon, Eddie Howe, Danny Cowley from Huddersfield, Frank Lampard, hey, on, on the Neil Lennon, Atkins, like on a Neil Lennon link there, I saw Wilder immediately linked to the Celtic job, um, which would be fantastic. Brilliant. I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, one of the few really Irish football good. fans who doesn't particularly care for Celtic, but it'd be brilliant to see, especially if you could get one over Gerard because he is doing my head in at this point. He'd be a great appointment, and he'd also like he's just a bit of a bastard, isn't he, Chris Wilder? Like he, that's probably a, a huge reason why he ended up being sacked because, like, he was being a oh, bit he of was, a prat, um, like he, you a know. wanger. Him and Klopp's like going yeah. out in the press conference. I know Klopp's a bit of a shy talker as well, but. He's just as bad, if not worse. But half of those names you're after reading out kind of convince their FIFA regents. I haven't heard of a lot of them people. Yeah, exactly. But moving on to other matters, uh, the one probably interesting match from the weekend, Arsenal 2, Spurs 1. It was probably quite a predictable, um, maybe not result, but pattern of play. Arsenal dominating the ball. Spurs completely sitting back and... uh, you know, we could get into the intricacies of what happened in that match, but what's the point? Because Eric Lamella scored that goal. My God, lads, that has to be goal of the season. Yeah, it's pretty good. This, <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely class. Like uh, I think Regulon's reaction was probably all of our reactions. That was definitely a goal that you you shared about if you're a neutral football fan. Like another one that sort of comes to mind that you shout it like that would be Ronaldo's bicycle kick against Juve it's just a goal that you just appreciate watching them when you're not involved with either team even if you're an Arsenal fan you're definitely shouting about it but yeah I know we had on our Twitter that all he does is score a bonus and fight and then he got sent off later on so yeah no Eric Mella he's just he's absolutely brilliant as a as a neutral fan even as a Spurs fan you probably like him because he's he's a prick like he's awful and uh, he's not really, he's not much use as a footballer, really. But then he just comes out and, and does that. Like, even the way it kind of it curled away from Leno, like, absolutely unbelievable. He feels very uh, league and us. Um, if any man was ever destined to play or end up in the Portuguese league, I feel like it's him. Yeah, um, I can see general, him up at Benfica. Yeah, in general, uh, it's a pretty stinking performance from Spurs, to be honest. Uh, they only actually really showed up once Lamella got sent off, which was funny. But it was pretty much every Mourinho performance for Spurs this season. It's they go gold up and then don't bother trying to build on that. 
Arsenal played played quite well. Odegaard played well, and Smithrow was actually I support. I didn't rate Smithrow at first, and he's actually doing an all right job. Uh, I know it was one of the, one of the things they highlight on match of the day the link up between the two of them. The one of them was on the ball, the other one was running in behind, um, and Odegaard pulled the defenders out quite well for a lot of the match. Just thoroughly deserved win for Arsenal. I thought. Um, I know one of our friends said. Uh, that the penalty decision was a ridiculous decision. And Martin Keown said the same thing on match today, which is baffling to me because he's absolutely cleaned him out of it. I know Martin Keown made the, the argument that, oh, well, he missed, missed kicked the ball. I was like, that doesn't matter. Davidson Sanchez has cleaned Lacazette out of it in the box. Just because Lacazette lost the ball doesn't mean it's not still a foul. <laughs> it's yeah, unbelievable. Like he, that he, he, Lacazette got quite lucky that Sanchez did that, but it's not lucky that he got a penalty because he absolutely took him out for no good reason. Yeah, Martin Keown was was dying on this hill on match of the day that he that it was definitely not a penalty. I was like, what else are you supposed to say? Oh, well, of course he would say that because he's a defender, but like oh, ridiculously. That Lamella Rabona out of absolutely nothing was their first. No, it was their only shot in the first, I think, 71 minutes. I don't know if they had one more shot after that or two more shots on target or, or whatever, but like at what stage does Mourinho say, I have to shake this up a little bit? Like I know it's a derby and that acts as a little bit of an equaliser at times, but Spurs have a much better team than Arsenal. But I, I never thought they'd win that game. I said nil-nil in the predictions because Arsenal, you can't really have too much faith in Arsenal, but you know this time they got the job done. But at what stage do you say, like let's just, play a little bit of football yeah yeah well you have to say he hasn't a great squad as disposal Mourinho like compared to Arteta and it's an even better win when you look at Aubameyang being left out the whole match for disciplinary reasons like that's your talisman from last season that is that's your goal getter and uh, like he's been largely absent this season even when he has been playing so but you know what a win regardless um but Mourinho he did shake it up at uh West Ham bringing on Gareth Bale and it worked look worked quite well for them and I know Bale's not the same Bale we were discussing last week but what can he really do Colin when you look at that defense it's shambolic do you know what can he do I know what you do is make sure that the defenders have as little to do as possible by you going out and scoring at least a couple of goals and getting your good players in the ball and being proactive but son down on 18 though as well like and just in this game I know in the context of the season you're right but it's tough tough when you lose son within 20 minutes I, I, but I think Spurs have a good enough squad, like, even without Son. True. Lucas has the run, and Lucas and Son do the run, and so does Kane, but, like, Bale could be a bit of a hindrance, like, just getting lost. Who do you bring on, like, Blimey? I feel like if you're Lo Celso's and Indombele's, and, like, there's a lot of options there. I think right? Lo Celso's still injured, but yeah, you are right. Like, there is a lot more options than... Yeah. It was a weird performance because it wasn't even going forward. They were particularly bad, I thought. I thought it was just in midfield. They seemed to get overrun. Um, I thought Hoiberg was well off the pace in that match. Like It was pretty much every single time uh, the midfielders were getting past him. Um, I think Smith rode did him three or four times in the first half. So it was, uh, it was just a disjointed performance, I think, all around. It's the best way to describe it. Again, losing songs not going to help, but they just... Even by Spurs standards, just didn't really seem at it. And again, maybe that's just jitters for the derby. But yeah, it's just poor performance. Okay, so moving on to the next section of the podcast, we're going to be looking at the best and worst 
pundits in the game. I put out a tweet on our Twitter page and we got a very good response again. So thank you for that. Going to be reading out some of our viewers or listeners rather uh, suggestions. So the first one comes from Thomas Craig, 98. He said, Robbie Savage, hands down the worst, just constantly sounds angry and confused. He's like Roy Keane, but Sky used Roy's reactionary views for shock value to get more viewers. Savage hasn't a clue of what his role is on a panel or why he thinks what he thinks. He follows on saying the best, in his opinion, is Carragher, but can fall into a trap of being deliberately biased against Liverpool to create the illusion that he's impartial. I absolutely agree on that bit. The same with Gary Neville in United. Paul Scholes was severely negative about United whenever he did punditry, which led to his career in media suffering as a result. Yeah, another one I agree with. Uh, Paul Scholes is absolutely horrendous. Uh, Ronan, you replied to our tweet. You said, Roy Keane, it's funny, but has awful opinions. Thierry Henry, Jamie Redknapp, Robbie Savage, all awful. Stewie Byrne, not Premier League, but I hate him, which is an interesting one because Stewie Byrne, former Shells player. Don't um, like my dog. I have no real opinion of him either way, to be honest. Adzi says, Eamon Dunphy, John Giles and Liam Brady run it back, in my opinion. 100%. Those are OGs. Uh, they just can't be touched as a punditry team. Uh, he also says, Jermaine Genus, Damien Duff and Michael Owen are the worst. Uh, no real problems with that one. Damien Duff, I don't mind. He's a bit, he's a bit sour, but yeah. Uh, we've got Rob J. Blackmore, or Chief Gooner, saying, Gary Neville, one of the best, and for being impartial, Jermaine Genus, the worst for being the exact opposite. And uh, the bit on Gary Neville there uh, is actually what I disagree with in terms of being impartial, because sometimes he can really ramp it up when United are bad. And probably the same way, uh, you know, the other way around when United are doing well, but maybe you are better positioned to comment on that. Uh, Burnley fan says, I heard a really bad pundit years ago but I forgot his name and the TV channel it was on, but he was the worst. So insightful as ever from Burnley fan. And our friend Dara over at the 1894 podcast says, Michael Owen, the worst pundit in football history. So as you can see, lads, very good response on the Twitter. Who are the best pundits? We'll start with a positive outlook. Who are the best pundits? Again, the best two at the minute are Neville and Carragher. Gary Lineker can be quite good, but... I, I was thinking about this quite a lot today. There's not many like top tier pundits. Like it's hard to get a good one. And Carragher can be quite good. He's very insightful. Him and Neville are fantastic as a commentary pair. And but and Gary, I quite like Gary Lineker on the the Champions League nights with BT, and he's good with the FA Cup but match. They don't really see that much from. And yeah, but Carragher and Neville tops. Yeah, like Brady Dumphy Giles are iconic for us. Like we we'll have that as the Irish men, but uh, maybe not the best. <laughs> no, Dumphy's <laughs> not good. He is a bum licker. The best uh, ones are the Aprey's match lads. Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. yes. He's been absolutely. left in the queue. Very good. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say it's um, Carragher and Neville. I do. Yeah, I don't understand uh, Jamie's bias towards Liverpool because when he was playing for them, they weren't particularly good. They were good in spells, whereas the Gary Neville biases and the Skulls bias are a bit hard, a bit easier to understand because they were so bloody good when they played for them that it's just anything else is just a bit horrible, and you can pick holes in that United side. We like this and that. I don't think that's what Gary's doing, but definitely it is what Skulls is doing. I think the um, old Liverpool players in the nineties used to always do that. On as soon as they got a chance to be on Sky, they just slay these Liverpool teams that didn't win the title 
so that's just symptomatic of you know where united's at and these are sour pundits but um there's none that really stand out for me robbie savage is very bad to be honest which i don't know what he's doing there i don't know why he's still employed <laughs> i don't know how good his punditry skills are but i quite like uh, michael richards yes he's a very funny man and yeah, when he's stood on the sidelines, so. he flexes that he has his Louis Vuittons on, and he's very funny with Carragher. Him and Carragher with Kate Abdo. There was a clip, and she was wearing this big Versace chain, and his laugh is just so good. But that, that's what, I just think. I just think. I just think he's a, a just kind of refreshing in terms of the, the punditry on Sky Sports on BT because, like, I suppose on Sky Sports it's not as noticeable how bad some of the pundits are, uh, but. Even the ones that are good are kind of boring, apart from like you have the banter every now and then between Carragher and Neville when they're both on Monday Night Football. Um, but like when you're watching a game, like say like West Ham or playing Brighton or something, and Michael Richards is on there, you're much more likely to stick around and actually listen to the the halftime analysis or full time analysis because he's actually just fun to listen to, whether he's talking sense or not. I think he does for the most part. Um, like he's just he's just refreshing. He's he's actually got some sort of energy about yeah, him. Yeah, he feels like a lot more like one of the men, but that's not a good thing. That's the Sky View machine that's, it, it, you know, in the works. Like, MNF's the only shred of cre- credibility Sky have left with Gary and Jamie. Like, that's it. Like, the rest is just all for views, and that is what it is, but it's not good analysis for, for the most part. Okay, can I, can I throw uh, a spanner in the works here? Okay. Someone I actually quite enjoy. I, I think he's quite good. Graham Soonis. I actually quite yeah. like Graham Souness. I think he acts as a good, uh, yeah, like a counterbalance to you know your Roy Keynes, Michael Richards, Gary Neville's. He's he's kind of omnipresent. You never really notice him, but he's he's kind of always there. I think he's quite good. But it's just like the stances he takes, like just the hatred he has towards Paul Pogba <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even think the hatred of Paul Pogba is even that bad. It's just football yeah. Twitter talk and ram with yeah. it. It's funny. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, uh, what does stuff like that? Um, but I don't even know how say, someone like Robbie Savage got into punditry because you think someone like uh, like Paul Scholes, he was class footballer, and you think, oh, he might have good insight into what's going on in the game, but turns out he's not very good and he's quite bad manager as well. Like Robbie Savage was a shocking footballer, he wasn't good. He's with that Derby team who got the the least amount of points in Premier League history. Someone like Jermaine Genius, you think, oh, like he was all right. He's not very good. Glenn Hoddle, disaster. He's a disaster. Michael Owen, oh, oh, he's he is bad. Yeah, this um, is a good I... point to come in here. Sorry about the BT punditry team. We need to discuss BT's whole recruitment process, pundits and commentators, because you've got Ian Dark is all right. Darren Fletcher is fine, but then you look at the pundits. Absolutely woeful, whether it's Michael Owen, Paul Scholes, Rio Ferdinand, his, I, don't, I think his analysis isn't that bad, but he's also a massive pain in the hole. Like he, he's, he's not any use. He's the worst. Who else? Robbie Savage, Glenn Hoddle. John, John Hartson's on every now and then as well. He's not great. Chris Sutton's funny, but like he's not but very he's not good great. either. Yeah, like it's awful. Who Who's hiring these people? Um, it's got to be better. Have, I know I mentioned my tweet, but he was on... Uh, Monday Night Football last night uh, I remember seeing it yeah, I remember he was coming back I was like oh this is not good never was a good pundit and he was awful last night because they were doing a debate on Mbappe and Ireland and 
I remember there was one question they, they asked him like oh what's Mbappe's best position because they were saying oh you know sometimes Mbappe plays out in the wing and sometimes he plays through centre don't think that's I think Mbappe mainly plays through centre plays um, left wing sometimes yeah but they asked him oh what position do you think Mbappe is best in his answer was oh when he's running at you that's not an answer <laughs> that's not a real answer it's left wing or striker which one's better and then they were asking him to take a stance on who would you rather sign Alan or Mbappe and he just refused to answer I was like say something other than oh they're both good players like that's all he said the only good thing about Thierry Henry's punditry skills is when he's about to laugh and he has that wee lip quiver it's just kind of funny <laughs> and keeping on the, the French train Patrice Ever is very bad just because oh, yeah. he doesn't like talking bad about United saying he's going to quit Sky he's a melt and he licks raw chicken so <laughs> that is not someone who laughs he's not trust. he's not joking trust yeah, that's, a, that's an actual thing he did i know he, he claims he loves this game but he needs to, to cop on and I, chat shit about united or something he just needs to grow up he does love this game that can't be tonight like there's there's plenty of evidence to suggest that he loves this game but yeah in general i think we can recap this conversation by saying sky sports are basically good and BT are pretty woeful. You know, if you're looking at the Premier League coverage, that's, you know, your your main um, main TV channels. If you're looking at the American channels, I could not tell you who is on those ones. No idea. Nickel, I feel, yeah, you, you just got some fella who played 10 times for Stoke in 2007, and he, he somehow got a he somehow got a gig out there. Like, you know, like, fair play to them, but who are those people? There are some brutal, brutal people. Yeah, absolutely awful and they're always they're always kind of the same like their voices sound the same they're just basically good enough to present on television you know yeah, like Burnley and Liam Ridgewell yeah are the only yeah. people they ever have on yeah, how, yeah. Sorry. sorry sorry for cutting across you there James but like you think like the, the RTE they don't have the worst punditry team like someone like Richie Sadlier isn't that bad very good for someone who has such little professional football and experience he can be quite insightful and Dunphy is uh, like you can take a take show me his baby <laughs> yeah Actually, I, he's I, just I, the entertainment factor for RTE again this will only apply to Irish Premier League fans but Premier Sport again just uh, not great pundits and pretty much for the same reason as last week because Damien Delaney is either always on commentary or always a pundit uh, they normally have some people Kevin like Kevin Doyle, who's not awful. Stephanie Roach is on regular enough, and she's pretty. You're Cunningham. Nah, she's not, not great. She's yeah, Christ, no. Yeah, not great. Um, I who have the, the main presenter on Premier Sport One. I can't think of his name, but I don't like him. Ah, he's fine. He's because all, all he has to do is facilitate the crappy questions. Like that's really it. And he's got a nice voice. Uh, the rest of them are crap. Uh, Keith Andrews. Oh, he is a, well. a disaster to listen to. Yeah, we're not blessed with pundits. Uh, Virgin Media do well for pundits. Like, they get in soonest and stuff yeah, like, on the yeah. regular, but they're going to be dust now. Like, I know, like, D.D. Haman, he's not very good. He does be on RTE sometimes. Uh, Kevin Kilban's, Kilban's grand. Yeah. But I think the, the OG RTE punditry team was a bit of crack. Like, they used to always be arguing, and it was, it was just good listening to it. Nostalgic, probably, for us, because that's who we were watching growing up. Yeah, no, that that will surely never be better. Certainly not by RTE. But if we're moving on to the predictions league, in which 
one of us will win a jersey courtesy of the other three. It was quite an interesting week in terms of predictions because I thought I was great getting eight points. I thought I'd sail out in front, but James also got eight points. If you don't know, it's three points for a completely correct score. One point if you say, let's say, 2-0 United and it was 1-0 United and zero points if you get it wrong altogether. Uh, but if we're looking at the table, Ronan, you are still bottom with 55 Mixer, you're on 58, I'm on 61, and James is on 63. Now, there's only actually four matches in the Premier League this weekend, so we didn't really have any scope for choice. The first game is quite a decent one, Fulham at home to Leeds. I think Fulham are going to win this one. Um, Maybe we're a little bit too full of praise for Fulham nowadays. You know, they're not world-class, they're not world beaters, but... You know, Leeds, you know, nil-nil draw against Chelsea is obviously a decent result for them. But I don't know. I think Leeds are on a little bit. I'm not as high in them as I was earlier on the season. I think they're starting to slow down a bit and Fulham are really just, you know, stepping into gear. So I'm going to go with a 1-0 Fulham win. Yeah, I think it was the same with Leeds when they're in the championship. They kind of, they're always decent, but they kind of fell off a wee bit towards the end of the season. Um, I just think Fulham are in good form at the minute. And obviously everything's a must-win for them and Leeds are like they're good but they're not obviously they're not one of the best teams in the league so they're a team that Fulham can definitely get at and we want, want to pick up points in so I'm going to say 2-1 Fulham that's fair um, I know they didn't trouble um, Mendy too much in the last game Leeds they are definitely showing signs of slowing down a bit but I think we give this Fulham team more credit than it deserves so I think it's going to be a 2-0 Leeds Bielsa masterclass yeah, I can see Leeds bouncing back to form. I know that they've been, they haven't been great the last little while. Obviously, they play such intense press and football, they can't keep it up for an entire season. It's like that day year that they lost in the playoff final, like they were flying high and then they fell off and didn't get promoted in the end. But yeah, I know Fulham, every game is a must win, as Ronan said, because it's crunch time now in the season. So uh, I'm going to go with a 2 1 Leeds win. Moving on to the next game, it's probably not quite as good as that one. It's Brighton at home to Newcastle. But as we've seen at the weekend, Brighton got a win, very important win. Um, And for once, they didn't actually win, win in Vertocomas, the XG, but they did win the game uh, with a great goal, great team goal, and Newcastle are horrendous. So 2-0 Brighton. Um, Maybe I'm putting too much faith in their finishing there, but... No, I ain't going to go for the same score for Brighton. I think they're just playing good football and obviously you've been unlucky with the XG. Um, obviously, you can't read into that too much because obviously actual goals are the only ones that actually matter. But yeah, Newcastle don't even play good football uh, and without Callum Wilson, they don't really offer any threat going forward. So I don't really give them much hope for the rest of the I'm season. I'm laying this off to Mixer to be the differential in this result. I'm also going to go for 2-0 Brighton for the same reason. Stay above Mopai and Connolly and the likes and even um, Welbeck don't offer them much going forward, but people like Gross are stepping up for them. But they should still score more. Like They're very poor to watch in that Southampton game. They're really frustrating. So I wouldn't be surprised if... Newcastle actually do something. I think Almiron might be touch and go for this game, and that could be a bit of a game changer. But still going to bet against. I'm going to go to the Brighton, and it's a clean sweep. We're all going for a Brighton win. Newcastle are absolutely toast. St. Maximin's dusted, and so is Wilson. Almiron probably won't play, but there are some serious threats that they don't have available. 
And apart from that, like, who do they have? John Joe Shelby. Like, Voldemort's not going to be banging hat-tricks against Brighton. So, yeah, going to also go with a 2 Brighton win. That is incredible. We all predicted the exact same score. Don't believe that's ever happened before. But moving on to the next game. It nearly did. We all said a 1-0 Burnley win against Arsenal when you weren't here and a half. Oh, that killed me, actually. I'd absolutely be top of both them for that. We're going on to the next game. West Ham at home to Arsenal. I feel like this probably has the hallmarks of a bad game. You know, they play... Right, Arsenal are kind of more possession-based than West Ham are, obviously. But, uh, you know, they're just... They're not very good with it. They kind of just persist with it anyway. Uh, West Ham are just going to sit in, look to make it difficult, as they always do. And I think they'll have a little bit more success against a poor team like Arsenal. Uh, than they did against United. Against United, they were very passive. Uh, they made it very easy for United to play. Should have been two, maybe three nil. But I, I think they'll get their act together for this one. So I'm going to go with a one-one draw at London Stadium. I think it is again. I'm going to go for the same result. <laughs> I just, yeah, pretty much all the same reasons. I don't think this is going to be a great game at all. Sorry, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Arsenal win here. I'm going to go a bit against the grain. Like what I've seen from Tierney, I think the Arsenal finish needs to be up to scratch a bit more. Hopefully a Bamian back in the team, she could be something different for them. Saka, hopefully he can start. Um, and then I think that'll be enough. I think they're just going to be finish, have a nice, strong finish to the season and could put West Ham under pressure for these European spots. I think with West Ham, it's like a roller coaster with them. They were soaring. But now they've hit the top and they're ready to start dipping. And Arsenal will be flying high after a good win in the the derby against Spurs. So 4-0 Arsenal in this one. It's not going to be pretty. You're going hard in the paint of that opinion, Mixer. Cannot say I agree with you, really. But um, but look, good luck to you. May the best man win this jersey. Next game is... Yeah, it's a good one. Villa, Villa at home to Spurs. I, I think Villa are probably... Co- basically finished at this stage. So nowhere near as good as they were uh, earlier on the season. You know, obviously they're still a good team, but in terms of vying for European places, I don't think that's going to happen anymore at this stage. And I think Spurs' general negativity and Mourinho's pragmatism is actually going to work in their favour against uh, a team like Villa, who like to play you know decent football expansive football and uh i think spurs can take advantage of that so i'm gonna go with a 2-1 spurs win i'm gonna go for a little draw and i think this is going to be an absolutely horribly miserable game uh, just because i don't like spurs and they're horrible to watch you can't say that after what kane did the other week ronan he got you all the points they were lovely to watch they were well, not lovely, but they're good goals. They're good goals in their own right. No. I'm going to go for a 3 0 Spurs here. The boys are going to be back flying and we're going to destroy the Spurs narrative. It's still going to be terrorism on the eyes, don't get me wrong, but um, they're going to get nice goals. They're going to get nice goals. Harry Kane's going to be out for, for blood after losing to Arsenal. So I sense a hurry, hurry Kane hat trick 3 0 Spurs. It's rare we were forced to talk about Newcastle for once this week. Yes, yes, actually. It's unfortunate. Uh, that game would not be getting picked <laughs> in any other weekend. But uh, the nature of it. And as we do five games every weekend, we're going to pick out one FA Cup fixture. It's getting down to the business end. We're in the quarterfinals. So there's a couple of decent games to pick out from. But I'm just going for the one that I think is going to be the toughest to call. And that's Leicester at home to United. Um, you know what, speaking as a United fan, you know, the progression has been 
good under Solskjaer, but we still haven't won a trophy yet. We've kind of got a bit of a, a semi-final hoodoo hanging over us. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can just get a trophy, even if it's the FA Cup, it'll be great. Um, but in terms of predictions, obviously this could go to extra time, it could go to penalties, but we're just looking for the 90 minutes because... That's how we do all the, sc- the scores in the league, obviously. So after 90 minutes, I think United are going to win 2-0. I think we'll take it more seriously than Leicester will. And yeah, I suppose that's about the only reason. I think Leicester might drop one or two players. We probably won't. Uh, and we'll get a 2-0 win. Uh, I'm going to go for a closer 1-0 win. But I think it's, yeah, Leicester kind of have their goals set as getting top four in the Premier League. I mean, in Champions League next year. And obviously, United, uh, you'd probably prefer to win the Europa League, but you're, there's no guarantee you're going to get through that tie against AC Milan at 1 1 in the first leg. Um, obviously, you're in a decent enough position, but it, it's no harm to go through in another cup competition just in case that one doesn't work out. And like you said, always been the job, what, two, two and a half, nearly three years now. So he'd want to start looking at winning a trophy. Um, so. I just think you know you probably will care about this one a bit more. Uh, in terms of the ninety, I'm going to go for a two-two score draw. I'm I like what I see with Leicester at the moment. Kalechi, what a guy, what a man, man of the moment, man of the hour, and man of the rest of the season. I'm telling you, he's better than Harry Barnes and the rest. But that's way way besides the point. If they drop Kalechi, well then they're finished. But they're not going to do that. Uh, they were quite on the ropes at some points from the blades. You could tell that. That Leicester defence doesn't fill me with any confidence. They got random boys like Thomas knocking about, Justin's out, Sonku, like he's a state. Johnny Evans, like they can really be got at. United actually could run all over them if, if they're as, that bothered, but I don't think so. As someone who has Schmeichel in their, their FPL draft, he they don't keep clean sheets ever. No, they're 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 don't they're, they're weird, aren't they? Like they just look vulnerable at random moments. Uh but wow, Kalechi is actually good at football and so so's variety but we already knew that uh so yeah two two yeah i think it's uh, obviously business rounds of the cup winner go home football so i think it's united will be going out to win in this one yeah as all the boys have been saying united need to win a trophy you can't really go too long as united without winning a trophy so i'm gonna go with a two on united win and we'll see what happens with those games this upcoming weekend. But that just about brings a close to another episode. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcast, we'd massively appreciate ratings or following us on those platforms, whatever you can do on said platform. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Podcast Network.